Equity to Karen and Pure Grace. You're here with Pure Grace with Kitty, and I'm Karen, and I'm here to share some time with you this afternoon. I'd like to tell you some stories, and first of all, I would like to read from the Bible. We're going to turn to John, the book of John, and we're going to read from chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. 
Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by night that he stumbles for a man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus comforts Mary and Martha. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, 
Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The religious leaders plot to kill Jesus. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, to a village called Ephraim where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. So let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that you stay with us while we gather here, and bless us with understanding and hearts to do your will. Almighty God, you gave your one and only Son to be the light of the world. 
grant that your people may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory and that he may be known, worshipped, and believed to the ends of the earth through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you for encouraging me to stand up and share what I can to carry out God's will for my life. And most of all, thank you to the Lord Almighty who sent angels to my life to push me to reveal his message at a time such as this. I'm grateful for it all. Well, my week has taken a turn that was a little bit different than my expectations. And it seemed like I was in hiding, but I wasn't. But I would like to go back first and let's talk a little bit about what happened here when um, Lazarus became sick and died. So we're going to go back and we're going to go to this village of Bethany. Bethany was located about two miles east of Jerusalem on the road to Jericho. It was near enough to Jerusalem for Jesus and the disciples to be in danger. But it was far enough away so as not to attract attention prematurely. As Lazarus grew very sick, Mary and Martha turned to Jesus for help. They believed in his ability to help because they had seen his miracles. We too know Jesus' miracles, both from scripture and through changed lives we have seen. When we need extraordinary help, Jesus offers extraordinary resources. We should not hesitate to ask him for assistance. Any trial a believer faces can ultimately bring glory to God because God can bring good out of any bad situation. Think of um, Romans 8.28. Let me turn over to Romans 8.28 here. Sorry. Let me read that one to you also. And Romans 8, 28 it says, we are more than conquerors. And I think a lot of us might have this verse posted somewhere. And I would highly recommend posting this somewhere. Put it in a place where you see it often. Because right now many of us are going through times where it seems like we keep feeling defeated. And I want you to know that God said that we are more than conquerors. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's pretty heavy stuff there, but 
we are reminded over and over that God works in all things, not just the little isolated incidents. He works in all things for our good. So it doesn't mean that everything happens to us is good. Evil is everywhere in our fallen world. But God is able to turn every circumstance around for our long-range good. Remember, God is not working to make us happy, but to fulfill his purpose. Note that also this promise is not for everybody. It can be claimed only by those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Those who are called are those the Holy Spirit convinces and enables to receive Christ. Such people have a new perspective, a new mindset on life. They trust in God, not life's treasures. They look for their security in heaven, not on earth. They learn to accept, not resent. Pain and persecution can be withstood because God is with them. So Jesus loved his family And he often stayed with them. He loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were very close to him. And here we look at Lazarus. And he was, um, Mary and Martha were in distress. So when trouble comes, do we grumble and complain? Do we blame God? Or... Are we seeing our problems as opportunities to honor God? Consider Mary and Martha. Here they were. They had trouble. Jesus knew that they had trouble, but he did not respond immediately. His delay had a specific purpose. It was all in God's timing, especially the delays that may make us think he is not answering, or not answering the way we want him to. But he will meet all our needs according to his perfect schedule and purpose. He patiently awaits. We have to be patient and wait for his timing. You know, when I was a kid, I think I was probably five or six years old. It brought to mind an incident where my parents were playing out the tooth fairy game and I had come to a place where I was suspicious so I figured I lost a tooth one time and one of the things that I wanted more than anything because I was just a kid so I didn't often have money and there was an ice cream truck that came around most days and one summer day, I had lost a tooth. I put it under my pillow. And the next morning, there was a coin under my pillow. Well, what I knew about this ice cream truck was that the ice cream that I loved that was on this ice cream truck was the, called a push-up bar. And it was an orange sherbet 
with vanilla ice cream in what looks now to be like a toilet paper roll with a little stick and you pushed it up to push the ice cream up out of the tube. Anyway, those cost a quarter. But the Tooth Fairy put a nickel under my pillow. And I knew that a nickel wasn't going to buy me that ice cream that I really, really wanted. So I remembered that my father had this orange ashtray. It was about the size of a, it was a huge ashtray. It was a ceramic glazed ashtray. And it was filled to the top with uh, coins. So there's probably about a quart to two quarts of coins in this ashtray. That's how large this was. It was like the size of a hubcap. And um, anyhow, so when I got up in the morning, when nobody was looking, all I could think about was that afternoon meeting the ice cream truck. So I took that nickel and I dropped it in the ashtray and picked out a quarter in its place. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I just thought I was changing out the coins. All my other friends, when we talked about the tooth fairy, brought them a quarter. Some even got a dollar bill. But in this situation, um, I thought I was just replacing a coin and nobody would notice. So when we sat down at the breakfast table and my family was all sitting there, I said, look, look what the tooth fairy left me. And I pulled out the quarter. Well, I could see my parents looking at each other. And in that moment, something clicked in my head that made me realize that there was something more to what was happening with the tooth fairy. And I ended up putting two and two together when that afternoon I went out and bought the ice cream with the quarter and somehow I spilled the beans and said, well, my mother said, are you sure that's what the tooth fairy left you? Where did you get that quarter? I said, that's what I got. You know, and with that voice that um, I guess was not so truthful. I didn't spill the beans right then and there. So I went and bought my ice cream in the afternoon when the ice cream man came by. And next thing you know, all I remember was my mom blurting out that you didn't get a quarter. You had you had a um, nickel. I'm like, how did you know that? You must be the tooth fairy. <laughs> so anyhow, they had figured out and I had figured out too. So in that place, I got really upset. I wanted to complain. Well, I never get what I want. You know, why did you change that coin out? You know, that wasn't an honest thing to do. Well, I never get what I want was kind of the conversation. And, 
You know, we know that Jesus can't bring us those things because I probably didn't need the ice cream. I was provided for pretty well. But um, I could have been honest and said, I really, really want a quarter, you know, and maybe something would have worked out. But it didn't work out that way. And so I don't mean to make it sound like I should pray to should have prayed to Jesus about the situation because here my parents are being a little dishonest. This is why um, I had a little trouble, you know, with my kids when I was raising them, uh, playing those games, you know, the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and all those kinds of things. I didn't like the deception that goes on where a child then comes to this place where they think all these miracles are happening and they're trusting in fantasy to supply this. Well, then Jesus then becomes a fantasy too because we don't see Jesus. Most kids don't see their parents putting the presents under the tree or the coin under the pillow. And so I think this is one of the things that's happening in our world today with our children. They've been brought up on a lot of fantasy. And so Jesus seems like another fantasy that we can, oh yeah, if I pray, he's going to make some miracle happen. And, and um, But then when the miracle doesn't happen, or you don't see that working in your life because most people don't get that opportunity to see those miracles. I feel very blessed that I've had an opportunity to witness and understand some miracles in my life but um, we, we need to um, I think stop pretending with our children especially so that we can notice and appreciate those miracles sometimes they happen long term and it doesn't it's not really obvious but if you see Jesus as a fictional character um, you are not going to be able to trust um, I don't know what y'all think of that so when we go back to thinking about um, Jesus and Lazarus, we do know that in his own timing, he'll meet all our needs. But those things should be of God's will. When we move ahead in darkness, we will likely stumble. When we understand the light of Jesus, we can see our way with him. So if Jesus had been with Lazarus during his final moments of Lazarus' sickness, he might have healed him rather than let him die. But Lazarus died so that Jesus' power over death could be shown to his disciples and to others. And then the raising of Lazarus 
was an essential display of his power and resurrection from the dead is a crucial belief in, of the Christian faith. Jesus not only raised himself from the dead, but he has the power to raise others. So when we were able to hear this story from firsthand accounts, unlike the tooth fairy and the Santa Claus, in fact, sometimes those are dispelled because of first-hand accounts. You know, I've heard children who have woken up and seen the parents putting the presents out that said they were from Santa, and then the lie has been revealed. But this is different. This is completely different because this is the truth. This is proof that Jesus was the Son of God, or is the Son of God. You know, um, in this story, uh, Thomas, also known as Didymus, was there when this miracle happened. And he said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him, because they were brokenhearted about Lazarus passing. But Remember, Thomas was the doubter because he doubted Jesus' resurrection. But in this place, he demonstrated love and courage. And that's what we need to hold on to. The love of Christ and the courage to stand up for this belief. The disciples knew there were dangers in going with Jesus to Jerusalem. They tried to talk him out of it. Thomas merely expressed what all of them felt. When their objections failed, they were willing to go and even die with Jesus. They may not have understood why Jesus would be killed, but they were loyal. There are unknown dangers in doing God's work. It is wise to consider the high cost of being Jesus' disciple. You know, as a Christian, sometimes um, we can be ridiculed and it can be a difficult thing to stand up to, you know, especially uh, if uh, you're having, you're struggling in faith. It can be especially difficult to stand up to. Um, I know when I was in high school, we they used to call us a Jesus freak if we said anything about Jesus, but they said it in a way that made you feel less than honorable. And um, I imagine that things like that would lead Jesus to that place where he would weep, you know? seeing his children being ridiculed. But when we come back and stand up through the strength, through the, um, through the strength in Christ, through putting on our armor of God, um, we can take away those tears. Jesus has power over life and death as well as power to forgive sins. I know that in confessing my sin of stealing that quarter 
I know in my mind, I thought I was doing the right thing by putting the nickel in the dish and taking that quarter. But later, I had to repent. You know, I had to ask for forgiveness, both of my family and of my Savior. And forgiving that sin, however small it looked, was no different than forgiving the sin of unbelief because it is Christ who is life and can surely restore our lives. Whoever believes in Christ has a spiritual life that death cannot conquer or diminish in any way. When we realize his power and how wonderful his offer to us really is, how can we help but commit our lives to him? To those of us who believe what wonderful assurance and certainty we have, because I live, you also will live. So I don't know what you know about Martha, but... Martha is best known for being too busy to sit down and talk with Jesus. Luke was telling us about how we kind of think of her as a Martha Stewart. You know, it's kind of ironic that Martha Stewart's first name is Martha because that Martha was known for wanting to prepare everything, wanting to make sure that everything was just right, making sure, you know, that the table was set properly, that everything was in its place, and she was always busy fussing around, you know, trying to take control of those things. But she was also a woman of deep faith. So her statement of faith in this instance uh, is exactly the response that Jesus wants from us. I know this week I've been really, really busy filling in. My daughter had surgery and she's recovering well, but I've been having to take her to her doctor visits and pick up her kids and take them to their appointments and driving around and getting all busy. And it's kind of had me not spending as much time with my Lord and his word this week. And I can really feel that, you know, it puts that heavy weight on you sometimes when you feel yourself drifting in the wrong direction. But we're going to bring that back around over here. Um, here in um, chapter 11, John stresses that we have a God who cares and this portrait is in contrast with the Greek concept that was popular in that day. God was seen as a God with no emotions, no messy involvement with human. But yet here we get a chance to hear and hear the story of how Jesus' emotions, his compassion, indignation, sorrow, and frustration we're all expressed in front of people so that they could tell us, no, our God cares. He really cares. And so we should never be afraid to turn to him and reveal our true feelings to him. 
He understands our feelings because he's experienced them too. When we're honest and we don't try to hide anything from our Savior, he cares. You know, sometimes it comes across, it may come across as shame, you know, the feelings of shame when you know that you've done something that would dishonor him. Um, but again, gives us the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. So when it, it, typical in that day, we don't see it as much in our culture today, but um, when somebody passes away, there would be lots of loud weeping and wailing. And so when Jesus saw that, he joined in. He, he wept openly. You know, that's the shortest verse in the whole Bible, is Jesus wept. That's 1135. Shortest verse in the whole Bible. And it's a reminder, I think, of how when we go on about our way and forget about him, He's sad when we're not there. He wants us present. You know, Jesus is with us all the time. And we need to build that relationship. You know, sometimes maybe he is empathizing with our grief. But maybe he was troubled at the unbelief, the doubting. But in, in any case, Jesus showed he cares enough for us to weep with us in our sorrow. So Lazarus was placed in a tomb and back in um, the time of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, a tomb was usually a cave carved out in the side of a mountain, a hillside. And it was many times large enough for people to walk around inside. It was kind of like a room. Several bodies would be placed in one tomb. You might have a family tomb or, um, you know, people who work together, people who lived in the same neighborhood. It could be many bodies placed in one tomb. And after burial, there was a large stone that would have been rolled across the entrance of the tomb. And those stones took a few people to move them. And to, you know whether it was to open the tomb or to close the tomb, it was not an easy task. Uh, so... You know, it makes us think when Jesus was in the tomb. It reminds us of that and the miracle of that stone being moved away after it had been rolled shut when he was placed in the tomb. Um, the miracle that happened there when it no one saw it rolled away, but yet it was rolled away. So Lazarus was raised from the dead. You know, I had an experience, and um, this is why I believe that 
God had me quietly, I shared the story a few times, but very hesitantly, but it would only be with people that I knew really well personally. But I had a time, I was giving birth to my um, daughter, my second child. I had some issues with that pregnancy. She was um, a certain type of breach. She, she was presenting upside down instead of the normal way, but she was head first, but she, I also had something called placenta previa. And that means that the placenta was being born before the baby. And when that happened, um, it caused me, that's okay. You can listen while, while we're going, but, um, it caused me to, um, die while I was in the middle of giving birth. And I had an experience where I came out of my body and I could see the monitor that was showing my daughter's heartbeat, but it showed me with no heartbeat. I could see my husband sleeping in the chair next to the monitor. And I could see out into the hall outside the door and I could see a nurse walking by. And then I heard the, um, the machine you know, that beep, because the machine had flatlined. And when that happened, I started to raise up right through the building, up into the sky. And next thing you know, I was in a place that I didn't recognize. And there were people there that were all welcoming. I recognized the people, but I didn't really know who they were. And um, I didn't see Jesus's face, but I saw angels and I heard a voice and the voice to me, I will always believe that it's, it was Jesus voice that told me it wasn't my time, said I couldn't stay. And I wanted to stay so much because there was so much love there, I couldn't. I just couldn't believe it. Um, but he said it wasn't my time and that um, my purpose hadn't been fulfilled yet and that I had been chosen and that my daughter needed me. Well, lo and behold, I was married to a sailor and I'm still married to him. It's been 42 years almost now. But, um, uh, Immediately, I was pushed back down into my body, and I, but I was told right before I had to leave that um, one of the things that I was going to have to carry out was that I had to be there for my daughter. Well, there have been a, quite a few things throughout our lives where I was the only one who was going to be able to help her. And the last few weeks, this, I've been back here again, where I was going to be the only one who was going to be able to help her. And, but with that, kind of like Lazarus, I was brought back from the dead. So I, apparently I was um, 
without um, vital signs for a little over five minutes. And immediately after returning to my body, I the baby was born very quickly, my little daughter, and um, I was in pretty bad shape, and so, uh, but I recovered pretty quickly. But I was scared to tell anybody about what had happened because I wasn't active in my faith at the time, and it, it did put some fear into me because of what I witnessed. But as I started learning more and more by being in the Word more, um, it helped me to understand what was happening. But one of the things that also made me realize was that you have to be very careful with God's Word and how um, these things are used. And that's why this story here of Lazarus that John wrote about, you have to use it for God's purpose. And I use it because um, I know now that God is real. Jesus is with us. You know, this is, this is not anything imagined. And I want everyone to know our Creator, our Father in Heaven, and have that relationship with Him where we're not afraid, where we can call on Him in our times of need. You know, like I was raised from the dead, and not in the way that Lazarus. Lazarus was four days after he passed away. But Jesus also raised others from the dead. There's examples like Jairus's daughter and a widow's son. But when um, we're confronted point blank with the power of Jesus's deity, some refuse to believe. You know, you hear stories of people, you know, oh, well, it was your imagination, you know, this is something that's, it's a phenomenon. No, it's real. And even though there were eyewitnesses to Lazarus being raised from the dead, some of those eyewitnesses even rejected Jesus and plotted his murder. They were so hardened that they preferred to reject God's Son rather than admit that they were wrong. So we have to be really careful about pride. There are different types of pride. You know, some don't want to be made to feel stupid, right? And so they are not willing to accept new teaching or honest answers. You know, I think sometimes now I've been learning so much when when I start understanding the Father and our creation through the Word and through my own eyes, through my own experience. You know, we talk about feelings. We have to be careful with our feelings. But we also have a heart that where God has planted discernment. And when we start using that discernment and the feelings that the discernment creates, we start understanding his creation. We start seeing things like the lies of camera tricks. You know, so many things that we've been led to believe are true, like movies and TV. 
They seem so real sometimes because they look like the things we've seen. They feel like the things we've experienced that um, we become so easily fooled the better the technology appears. You know, I wonder about robots sometimes. You know, how far these things have come, all the costuming and the machinery and all those kinds of things, how easy it would be to fool somebody. But um, if we let pride grow, it can lead us into enormous sin. So the Jewish leaders that were plotting against Jesus knew if they didn't stop him, the Romans would discipline them. Rome gave partial freedom to the Jews as long as they were quiet and obedient. And I believe we're kind of in a place like that today where Christians are being intimidated to um, stay quiet. And I think sometimes when the truth comes in, uh, the sound may have that happen too. I'm not sure what's going on here. If there is a sound problem, I apologize. But um, Jesus' miracles caused a, a disturbance. And the leaders feared that Rome's displeasure would bring additional hardship to their nation. And we think about this. We're in that time of year right now. Some, some of you may be practicing a form of Lent, this Lenten season, these 40 days that um, precede the Resurrection Day, the Easter, um, as we call it. But uh, these 40 days we use as a day of reflection and a day, a, a time to um, reveal our sins so that we can learn from those and how to be more like Christ. And with some of that, it does take putting that armor on and calling out the things that are wrong. Leaders fear that Rome's displeasure would bring additional hardship to their nation. We're kind of in that same place now. And, and people get afraid to speak out against the lies and against the wrongs because they're afraid it's going to make things harder won't have their money anymore they won't have their benefits anymore if they stand their ground it won't be easy you know this is why we talk about the seven pillars our children um, are the are our future and if we're not teaching them about God at home where are they going to learn about our Creator and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Where are they going to learn? We have to um, hold churches at home. You know, keep your friend or, or keep your children friends with Jesus, so that 
as they grow, they're more comfortable in praying and talking to him. Homeschooling, the schools are making it harder for Christians to carry out their faith and it tries to influence our children to go against their faith and we don't want that. So again in chapter 11 that uh, John regarded Caiaphas who remember Caiaphas was the high priest and uh, he, he said that uh, Jesus knew nothing at all. And he said, you do not realize it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. So that they were ready to silence Jesus because they did not want the Roman government to come down. So, as high priest Caiaphas was used by God to explain Jesus' death, even though Caiaphas did not realize what he is doing. You know, that is the thing, that God has a plan. He knows exactly where things are going and what people are going to do, the choices they're going to make. And he uses everything for his purposes. So we call out to God. We ask him to give us relief from our distress and have mercy on us, especially when we sin. We pray and hope that those prayers fall on God's ears, that they're righteous prayers. But this is a time during this Lenten season to search our hearts, to be silent and listen, to gain trust in the Lord, to grow that trust. We give all glory to our Heavenly Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning and is now, and will be forever. So I hope we can learn something to from this story of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and help us understand that Jesus is our friend. He cares, he cares about us too. He's always with us. Like all sheep, we've gone astray. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And he'll come back for each and every one of us. So I thank you, friends. Um, I have a little information if you didn't hear it before, but if you're here local in the area, we've got some things going on with our, um, I take part in a Freedom Keepers group here locally, and we uh, communicate and join in with other Patriot groups. 
One of these is the FACL. They are having a political leadership school. It starts on Saturday, March 25th at 9 a.m. And it's a way to uh, learn how um, that you too can train to become a leader in your community, whether you want to um, run for a local office or if you just want to learn how to better um, communicate to politicians. Um, if you'd like more information for, on that, I can post that information, but it's a political leadership school. And you may have one going on in your area. You can reach out, like I said, to the FACL, um, which is uh, the um, Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. Reach out to your local, and they may be having that. And then also, um, at all the state capitals around the nation on March 7th, which is next week, uh, you can gather at your Capitol building at, to protect medical freedom. That is Protect Medical Freedom Day on March 7th. In your area, they may have some groups that are supplying transportation. I know here in Jacksonville, there is bus transportation available. Uh, it's on a first-come, first-served basis. They depart at 6.30 a.m. and then they return. Um, the, they depart from the Capitol in Tallahassee at 3.30 p.m. And again, that's the Health Freedom Florida and Stand for Health Freedom Day. Protect Medical Freedom Day at the Capitol. Um, we do have a Senate bill and a House bill. Um, Senate Bill SB222 and the Mirrored House Bill HB305. When it passes, it's going to make legislative history. With that, Florida will be the first state to secure medical freedom into law. And so we want to make sure that uh, these are... Um, passed favorably. It will also make Florida the first state to make vaccination status its own protected class. It will prohibit employers from refusing employment or discharging or disciplining, demoting, or otherwise discriminating against an individual solely on the basis of vaccination or immunity status. It will prohibit the Department of Health from requiring enrollment in the state's immunization registry or otherwise requiring persons to submit to immunization tracking. That one is House Bill 213. Um, it will also prohibit the state vaccine tracking registry from being shared with the federal government or cementing into law. The, um, it will cement into law the ban of the vaccine passport. It will also prohibit businesses and governmental entities from requiring individuals to provide proof of vaccination or post-infection recovery from any disease to gain access to entry upon or service from such entities. So I would like to invite you to join the medical freedom movement. Like I said, I have connected to this through our local Freedom Keepers um, chapter. You probably have one in your state, in your area. They're all over. Moms for Liberty is another one, John Birch Society. Uh, look those up or you can just show up at your capital 
um, on the 7th of March and or write uh, some letters to your local representatives. If you have any other ideas about um, um, things that are going on, there's a lot of elections and things going on locally. And I would um, invite you to stay involved in what's happening in your local area. But I am at my time, and so I'd like to wrap this up. But I'm so thankful for those of you who came to listen, and I invite you to come and listen. I'll post the show so that others can come listen later. Yes, and um, I, I actually have put out some word locally here, and we're trying to grow things. And just work on that. I had a lot of um, obstacles that came up in my life this week. So anyway, um, yeah, but that's a really great idea. Flyers and set them out. I have some of those white rose style stickers too that um, we put up in places. But there are a lot of people, like we said, that um, aren't willing to stand up. And this is the challenge that we have they believe, they agree with these things that we're talking about. They agree that, um, you know, the government has been wrong in many ways um, and not caring about the people, just trying to fill their pockets um, on our time and money. And that is the challenge. Who's going to speak up? Who's going to stand up? And it starts with you and I. You know, those of you who are here listening now, I'm sure are doing these things in, you know, either your neighborhood or some social circle. And this is the challenge that we face here. And I'll repeat this, the seven pillars. We have home churches, uh, whether you have a group online or even better, people that come to your home or you go to someone's home or gather in a in a small place, you know, gather somewhere where you're in the word together and sharing, sharing your understanding with each other so that you can grow in understanding with your father, making that relationship there between each other and between our father. It helps build your armor. Um, then we have homeschooling. If you have children, the things that are happening in our school system today um, are not ideal, especially for a Christian family. And they're trying to teach our children things that aren't healthy and are leading them away from their faith. We, you know, it's so much harder and harder, you know, if you do have a, a church family outside of your home, um, you'll notice that very few teenagers are, um, active in their churches and what happens is as they are more independent um, they're being pulled away by the things they're being taught in the public school uh, so anyway and it gets harder as they get older the things that they should be taught um, sometimes as parents you know we have responsibility to work outside the home and it gets harder to take care of our children that way too. So anyway, 
whatever level of homeschooling, there's co-ops all over. And if you can't teach something like, for example, I was an algebra teacher at a time, and I know a lot of people struggle with algebra. But if that's something that you must teach to your children, there's probably somebody in a co-op that could teach that thing that's hard for you and vice versa. You know, some, some may not be very good at English or whatever, but um, homeschooling. Then we have Patriot Gardens. You know, our food supply is, is things are changing and we need to be more self-reliant and whatever little bit you can do to, um, to produce your own food or find yourself in a situation. For example, I, I have recently become part of a farmer's co-op where every two weeks I go meet the farmer and I get a two-week share of fruits, vegetables, and meat. And it's straight from the farmer. Then I have a few things growing in my garden and I'm trying to increase that and work around some of the obstacles that I've had recently. Uh, right work. You know, we want to work as though we're working for our father because everything does belong to him. But we also want jobs that um, do not disgrace our Lord. You know, we don't like to hear about Jesus weeping. You know, don't you think that when we feel compromised in the things that we do, you know, corporate life these days is a lot of times not a God-pleasing life and um, it doesn't give us the opportunity to work for our purpose all the time. You know, we know people that are in that situation, which also leads into health and healing. It's not healthy to work in a place that, um, leaves you uh, stressed and, um, you know, feeling like you're compromising your um, moral compass. And so it's important to take charge of your own health and healing, not relying on our, um, what we call medication or medical system now. Um, we need to be more knowledgeable about how to heal with our God-given um things you know if we take better care of our own bodies you know they say our bodies are a temple we take better care of our own bodies and understand you know what things that god gives us uh to uh better manage our health in a better way that's very important you know and that's why we stand up for um you know, the right to control our health and not have to report to somebody saying we take this medicine or that medicine. What if I don't take any? What if I don't go to the doctor unless I really need help? Um, yeah. Also, informed action. You know, there's not a lot we can do in our small world unless you are a person in power. Um, there's not a lot we can do about our federal government on this small scale, but the things we can do to make change on the things that really matter are being informed of what's happening in our local communities, whether it's coming down to the school board meeting and standing up for removing pornographic materials from the bookshelves or, uh, you know, going down to your city council to advocate for um, proper use of the city funds. Being informed 
on what's happening locally and taking part in your local government, that's where we can make real change that matters. Also, um, being uh, conserving what we have with, um, as well as being, you know, working towards energy independence, you know, being good stewards of um, things from electricity to water uh, and the land, you know, taking good care of the things that we have so that um, our children and our grandchildren and so on uh, can continue to use those things and so you know whether it's wood burning stoves or solar panels whatever you can do to make it so that you don't have to rely on the government for your daily needs so i thank you very much um i don't know what else to say but i just appreciate you coming and listening today and let me close us with a prayer so gracious lord according to your will and promise you sent your son into our world to atone for sin and restore eternal life you planned his path to the cross and he followed it perfectly he confronted the blindness of unbelief and the confusion of doubt and the hurt of death, but was not deterred as he proclaimed your kingdom to the least, the last, and the lost. Humble us as we view the Savior and his humility, remembering and believing that he endured the cross so that we might be freed from its horror in his suffering, show us our healing. In his grief, show us our joy. And in his death, show us our life. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Like I said, thank you again. And this has been Pure Grace with Kitty.